Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. As we prepare to partake of communion, if you're new, either watching or, or you're here t- uh, this afternoon, uh, we'll close the message with communion as we remember what Jesus did for us on that Good Friday. Part of the way that God helps us understand what Jesus did is in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. And and there are many stories in the Old Testament that actually illustrate uh, a part of his work, uh, of who he is, of how God works in our life. Scholars call them typologies or types, and they give us insight into Jesus and into salvation. One of them is found in Exodus chapter 7. 17 and Numbers chapter 20. Now, because of our Led by Fire series, we're all pretty much up to speed, but in the event you're not uh, aware of what happens in that, in that book, God raises up Moses to send him as a deliverer to bring the nation of Israel out of 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. And slavery is a picture certainly of sin and the bondage of sin. And as they come up out of Egypt, they are led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They cross the Red Sea. They're in modern-day Saudi Arabia. They come to Mount Sinai. As they're there, they're in a, in a desert area, and they find that they have no water. And this is a big problem because there are 2 million people, 600,000 men, the Bible says, besides women and children. Then you have all of their livestock. So the need for water is certainly critical. We read it in Exodus 17. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses, give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock with this thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. And again, when we're talking about gushing out, we're not talking about a minor stream. We're talking about a river of water so large that it waters, it provides the water for two million people and their livestock. We're talking a massive river coming out of a rock. This is an amazing miracle then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. So this happens, it's an amazing miracle. And I might just mention, you know, sometimes in our own life, we find ourselves in a situation where God is leading us, but something that we know we need at the moment does not seem to be available. 
And I think it's a legitimate question to say, why does God let that happen? And the fact of the matter is that God is wanting to teach us, God is wanting to show us something, ultimately God is going to supply our need. We can rest in that, but a good question to ask when we come to a place in our life where something we need is not present, the issue is never God's care, it's never God's power, it's, it's never God's watching over us. The Lord is my shepherd, the Bible says, I shall not want. But if you're in that situation where there's a need, a legitimate need, and there's not a solution, and you're walking with God, then you have to say, Lord, what is it you're trying to show me? I'm not thinking in terms of something's wrong with you and God disciplining you. I'm talking about God growing you. So we use those situations just like we see here. God is going to show the people something incredible relative to his ability to perform the miraculous, but he's going to also show them something theologically significant that will help them, that will grow them, and not only them, but generations to come. Because always there's more involved in our life than just our own life. There is the legacy of the Lord tarries of our faithfulness, of our faith, of our tenacity, of our perseverance, of our confidence in the goodness of our God and his power to provide. Amen? Amen. Well, 30 years later, a very similar thing happens, which is very, very interesting. Numbers chapter 20, verse 2. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. Very interesting how quickly any one of us can forget the provision of God, the goodness of God, and they should have been able to say, well, you know what? There was a time 30 years ago when God provided water from a rock. Who knows what he'll do this time? But instead, Numbers chapter 20 and verse 6, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people, went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You'll provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving to them. This is a very interesting thing. Why is God so unhappy with Moses striking the rock? You say, well, it's because God told him to speak to it. But, but, I mean, we're talking about something that Moses will appeal that decision by the Lord. When they get close to the promised land, Moses will say, I want to go in. And God will tell him, don't ever bring that subject up again. You're not going in. I don't want to talk about it. 
which tells us that whatever's happening here is, is more important and bigger than Moses just having a bad day and getting angry at the people or Moses just in a minor way disobeying God. The rock was a very important spiritual picture. It was a type. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes this, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. This comes, as Paul has just told the Corinthians, listen, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, what Paul is appealing to is he's saying, let's make sure we take our Christian faith seriously. Let's make every effort. He says, I buffet my body. I, I beat it into submission. In other words, what he's saying is, I, I'm disciplined. I'm self-controlled because I want to honor God, and I don't want to be disqualified in the race. And then he says, remember, there were people who had the presence of the Lord, but they were disqualified. Why? Because they didn't take God seriously. They thought it was enough to be near his presence, but they never really walked in his presence. He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. All of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. What that means is they, the, the idea of baptism is they were united with Moses. They actually went through the Red Sea. It was kind of a picture of baptism and how, how there's a deliverance that happens in the life of a person. All of them ate the same spiritual food. Now watch this. And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yeah, that's cool. So when Moses strikes the rock, it's as if Christ is being struck. When the people drink water from the rock, it is as if they're drinking the living water that only Jesus can provide. It's a picture, a typology, a metaphor. Remember Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Later he says to her, but to those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. In other words, it just flows out of them. Eternal life, living water. There's a parallel there. Just like water cleanses, just like water quenches our thirst, just like water is necessary to sustain life. So salvation, that living water, it cleanses us, it quenches our thirst, and it gives us eternal life. Living water is a metaphor for salvation. And the metaphor of comparing drinking to being saved, it's in the scripture throughout the scripture. For example, Isaiah 55 verse 1, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Goes on and talks about drink all you want. He talks about the fact it doesn't cost you any money. Salvation is free. Whosoever will may come. Drink without charge. That's what God says. Drink the water of salvation. Be saved. But here's the question. How can we have living water 
just by coming to Jesus. How is it that that's available to us? Especially when you understand that our sins have separated us from God and, and there is no one righteous, not even one, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and we were, prior to coming to Christ, enemies. How can we be at peace with God? How can we not only be friends but family with him? How can our sin be taken care of? The story in Exodus 17, the story in Numbers chapter, chapter 30, they give us the example of it. They show us, excuse me, Numbers 20. The rock, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's a picture of Christ, a type of Christ. In order to drink from the rock, what did Moses have to do the first time? Look at it. It says this, strike the rock and water will come gushing out. What's that have to do with Good Friday? On that Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, he was struck for us. He was struck that the water might bring forth, that the rock might bring forth living water. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. God took our sin, placed it on him, and God punished him righteously for our sin, justly for our sin. So that when we come to him, we can receive living water. Remember the next time they needed living water, what did Moses, what was he supposed to do? Look at it in Numbers 20. Speak to the rock, and it will pour out its water, and you'll have enough water from the rock to satisfy. If you speak, you'll be satisfied. Now, here's the picture. This is the typology. I realize it's, it's you know, it's a bit abstract, but I think you'll, you'll get a hold of it here. The picture is of the work of Christ. The first time, the, in order to receive water, the rock had to be struck. And after that, the rock would be spoken to, and it would bring forth water. This is what the prophet Isaiah is saying. Jesus was struck for us. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. Listen, if you feel like you're not the most beautiful person in the world, if you feel like there's a lot of people that are, and that, that plagues a lot of people, appearance, Jesus was not the best-looking person in the crowd. The Bible's very clear about people who were good-looking in the Bible, but it says something different about him. In other words, he experienced everything in life that you and I could experience and yet never sinned. He was despised, he was rejected. Maybe you feel like people don't like you. You feel like people make fun of you at work. You feel like people, some of you, you're going to go home and there's people in your household who are going to ridicule you. Jesus understands. Tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews says, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. 
We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Everything he suffered on the cross was because of our sin, the penalty of our sin, what our sin deserved. You deserved, I deserved, we deserved. Everything he suffered. He was beaten so we could be whole. You say, what does that mean? Peter will say this in 1 Peter chapter 2, and by his stripes you are healed. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed far away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. In other words, long before we were ever looking to him, he was looking for us. Long before we ever thought about coming to him as a savior, he was doing a saving work for us. But now in order to receive that living water, that salvation, how do we receive it? All we have to do is speak to the rock, right? That's all we have to do. That's all Moses had to do to get water was speak to the rock. It would have gushed forth water. But in anger and in pride, he struck the rock. No, do we need to, do we need to bring water, you know, just upset? And the whole typology that God intended was abused. And God said, you can't do that. That rock is Christ. And he, was, he will only be struck once for the sins of people. And after that, if people need living water, they will speak and receive. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead. You'll be what? Saved. If you speak to the rock, you'll get living water. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The rock in Exodus 17 and Numbers 20 is a picture of the living water that comes through Jesus that he provides. And on that Good Friday, we remember that he was struck for us, that, that the rock was struck, that it might allow us to speak to the rock for the centuries and the millennia to come, and we would receive that living water, we'd receive the greatest gift God could ever give, and that is the forgiveness of our sin. All you got to do is say, Jesus, save me.